Amen. Great to see everybody here tonight. How's everybody doing? Great. Good to see your smiling face. We want to welcome everybody watching online tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I just want to take a quick moment to shout out to my mother-in-law. She watches from Maryville, uh, Illinois, uh, every Wednesday night, every Sunday. And so just want to say hello. And uh, so it's great having all of our online folks watching. Listen, turn to your neighbor and say you look great tonight. And you're going to look even better at the end of this service, I'm sure, right? Great to have everyone. Listen, we're going to play. I, I know this is kind of odd, you think, but I'm going to go somewhere with this, so you got to trust me. Will you trust me for just a minute? We're going to kind of play a game, and you say, well, we don't play games in church. Yes, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, I know that, but just kind of work with me for just a second. Can you do that? Just shake your head. All right. Here we go. So I'm going to throw some words up on the screen, and then I want you to kind of guess uh, from these words, what I'm talking about, and I'm just going to throw them up there, and let's see how well you do. Let's see if we're there. Are they there? All right, so we're going to give these four words. Toast, flour, sandwich, loaf, what is it? Bread. Man, you're so good. Give yourself a hand. You've won one point tonight. You're doing great. All right, next one. Here we go. What does it say? Wife, pair, partner, mate, what is it? What marriage? That's pretty. Uh, I think I heard spouse. Who said spouse? You have won. You have won tonight the grand prize. Um, there's some tissue paper up here. It's some oil. So whatever you want to want to get, that's fine. So everyone, you, you kind of get the idea, right? I mean, you, you get these words, and here's, here's the answer. Here's what we're trying to get. But now I want to do this. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want to give you some words, and I want to describe something, and I want you to guess it. Here's what it's going to be. Here we go. It says this. I keep people up all night. I can control the heart and the mind. I can cause people to hurt themselves. I can help in some ways. All right, you're thinking right now, aren't you? You're like, what is this? I'm the biggest cause of missed opportunities. I can often lead to depression. I can cause high blood pressure, heart disease, and headaches. What am I? Did anybody say worry? Who said worry? Ding, ding, ding. And there's probably other, other uh, words that would fit that as well. But stress, it is worry. What is it? It is worry. How many came into this place tonight with a few worries? I, I don't know if you want, yeah, you kind of be honest. We can be honest here, right? Worry. Worry is just this fascinated word that we live with that often kind of creeps into our lives. And before we know it, all of a sudden it begins to grow. We kind of begin to feed it, so to speak. And if you look into uh, that word, you will find so much information. And some of the information I found is this. Did you know that the average person, about 75 to 86% of people, are, are just living a life full of worry? They are worried people. Can you believe it's that high? In other words, that every day, the average adult spends about one hour and 45 minutes a day worrying in life. That would equal about 12 hours and 53 minutes a week and about 28 days a year we spend just worrying. Now, here's the good news. The good news is the older we get, the less that we worry. I hear someone laughing down here. I mean, I don't know if that's true of your case, but worry. What, how do we define worry? worry we're going to use this definition. It says this, a state of anxiety and uncertainty 
over actual or potential problems. Now, the same worry may be good for us, and we could even frame it in this idea that, that we call that worry productive worry or instructive worry, meaning that it helps us solve a problem. Maybe we are worried about paying a bill, and we, we know that we need to pay that bill. We're worried about one thing in our life, and it is, is a, a reminder to us that we need to follow through with some things, but worry. Dr. Newman says this. He says, worry becomes so habitual, I call it a process looking for content. Now, I don't know about you, and you don't have to answer this, but in this place tonight, there may be a few of you who are excessive worriers. Your whole life is kind of consumed with worry, and, and if we were to kind of nail that down, that would really mean this, is that if you begin to worry about one thing in your life, this certain um, part of your life, all of a sudden it begins to spill over into other areas of your life. And when it spills into the other area, you still are worrying about this other compartment, but it spills over to this compartment. And then all of a sudden you have four or five compartments that you're worrying about life and you don't know exactly what to do. But it is overwhelming to you and you just don't know exactly which way to go or what to do. But worry begins to weigh you down like wearing a backpack and just kind of picking up rocks along the way, throwing it in your backpack, and you feel weighed down by all this worry. I remember years ago when I was uh, walking to school. How many ever walked to school in your life? Yeah, I mean most of us, we wouldn't allow our kids to walk across the street to go to school these days, would we? I don't know if you, but how many walked um, uphill in the snow t 10 miles to go to school both ways, right? That's, your, that's what we say. But we walked to school, and I remember being in second, third grade, walking to school, and I walked about a mile to school, and as I look back over it, I'm thinking, I cannot believe my parents let me walk all that way by myself. And then, I would never let my kids do that, right? That's the way we begin to think, and I remember that on about the last hour of school, I was worried about walking home because sometimes I got a ride to school, but I knew I was having to walk home from school. And there was a certain place, this certain street that I couldn't bypass. But I remember one time walking down the road, and when I got to this certain area, a house to my left, there's the garage door open, this massive, I'm sure it weighed 600 pounds, ferocious teeth about six or seven inches long, a German shepherd running, barking, and I'm, I swear at, at second grade I thought, I'm going to die by a German shepherd. <laughs> Anybody ever had that experience? Okay, you know it's real. And it's like, so from that point on, I remember going home telling my mom and dad, hey, this German shepherd almost attacked me, and they're like, eh, yeah, okay, you're still walking back, you know, at school. So I remember walking past that particular house every day, I was worried that something bad was going to happen. And I remember kids would walk in front of me and I'd see the dog down there barking, but the dog never went into the street. And if you stayed on one side of the street, and I didn't know this, but I would get to the house and start running. Well, that's not good. They'll, he just sees a meal, a second grade meal running. Well, that second grade meal is me, you know. I, and, and so... I was so happy the day that I got a bicycle, I felt, I felt like a man. I didn't have to no longer walk past that house. I, could, I would go as fast as I could, but I got through the house. But you understand that the worry, a second grader worried about this, not knowing if I'm going to make it. But as you grow older, whether it's elementary, high school, college, if it's your career, if you're, if you're an adult, if you're older in years, it doesn't matter that worry is a part of our life.
But the problem becomes is when it becomes too much of a part of our life. What do we do? What do you do about worry? What are you worried about in life? Well, I'll tell you this. Most people worry about this, 40% on things that never happen in life. Did you know that? 500 years ago, Michael D. Montaigne said this, My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. We worry 30% on things in the past that can't be changed. So right there, that's 70% on things that we cannot change, but we worry about 12% on things like our health and, and, and needless worries and about 10% on miscellaneous stuff. But did you know this, that 8% of our life, 8% of our worries are real. 8% of our worries are real. Just, just let that sink in just a little bit. I remember it was 2006. We had just moved to um, Charleston, South Carolina. We were invited to go to um, uh, a New Year's Eve get-together. It was exciting. The kids were six and five. And I remember uh, staying up till about, you know, after 12.30. We're on the way home about 1 or 1.30. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not a late, late night person. There's just, I don't like being out late. And so I remember going home. And on the way home, we began to say, man, it's getting a little foggy out here. And all of a sudden, it gets more and more foggy. And all of a sudden, we came to this intersection, and we could not see the front of the car. It was so foggy. And then we realized that everybody is stopped. Nobody's moving, and everybody, no one can move because the fog is... Have you ever been in fog that bad before? It is bad. I've never experienced that in my whole life. And I'm thinking, we can't move anywhere. If we... We may hit someone or someone may hit us. I don't know exactly what to do. So all we could do is just sit there and wait and wait and wait. And finally, after about an hour, we were able to kind of move from the area. The fog lifted and here we are on our way. I thought, man, that was incredible. Never experienced that before, but that was our, 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 our experience in that fall. Now listen to this. Nightingale Continent said this. That if you have a dense fog covering seven city blocks, picture that in your mind, seven city blocks, and the fog is about 100 foot deep, it consists of less than one glass of water. That if you take all that fog in its wet form, it's less than one glass of water, but it spreads out and creates all this mess, all this fog. Did you know what? Our worries in our mind stretch seven city blocks and probably goes about a hundred foot deep into our lives, causing all this worry and panic. We don't know really what to do, but 8% of it is real. Imagine that, 8%. And all of a sudden you begin to realize this, the stress hormones that worry dumps in your brain have been linked to the shrinking brain mass, lowering your IQ, prone to heart disease, dementia. I mean, it could go on and on and on. But here is the real truth. If we could get a handle on the worry that habitually, incessantly, and I would say unconsciously seizes hold of our mind, we would greatly increase the odds of living a longer, joyful, kingdom-filled life. That's a good place to say amen. Just going just gonna to throw that out right there. If we could do that. 
Because all of a sudden, the worry within our heart and our mind, it begins to take control. It takes over our lives. We don't know what to do. For some, anxiety and worry are so toxic, they're so burdensome, that they, they medicate. There's therapy, and they need all of this to function. And here's the key right here. What worries you masters you. What worries you masters you. Everything that you worry about, that's going to be what you think about. It's going to master your life. It's going to make every decision for you. I like what Irma Bombeck said. She equated to worrying to a rocking chair. It gives you something to do but never gets you anywhere. In other words, we are all people, if we're excessive worriers, we're all people stuck at Cracker Barrel on the front porch just rocking away. Which, if the truth could be told, I kind of like those rocking chairs at Crackle Barrel. How many are with me? Now, not that I want to worry and rock away my... But, but that's what worry does. It's like a rocking chair. We just become stuck. We're numb. We don't know what to do, where to go. And we're just rocking away and nothing's happening. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're in worry, if you're stuck in worry, if you have excessive worry going on in your life, wouldn't you want to come out of that? Wouldn't you want to know exactly what to do, what to say, and say, you know what, I don't want to live a worry-filled life. And you might even be here tonight and you say this, you know what, my whole life has been just stuck in worry. I've worried since I was a child. And I can honestly say that within my life, I had worries when growing up. I, I can tell you this, taking a test, I still have nightmares about taking tests. How about you? Because you worry, your mind worries. I want to get out of the worry. I want to get out of the rocking chair. So how do I get out of the rocking chair? Well, let me give you about three different types of worry. Number one is the decision worry. Some of us are paralyzed by this worry because we're trying to make decisions in life. Whether you're a single mom or you're, you're young, you just got married, or whether you are middle-aged or, or older, it doesn't matter. You think about those things that you have to make decisions about who... Are we going to be able to pay the bill? Am I going to make it this month? How's my retirement going to be? I mean, we worry about the stock market. We worry about everything that is going on in our life. And it's a decision sometimes that we have to make. And we don't know where to turn to. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in the rocking chair. Just kind of rocking back and forth. God, what do I do? You know what? There's a scripture that we have probably read a hundred times and we just kind of know it's there, but I don't know if we sometimes grab a hold of it to, to where we can say, you know what, I want to live the scripture. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. I think it's an answer to the decision worry in our life that simply says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord. If you want to get out of the rocking chair, you have to trust in the Lord. Number two, very quickly, is this. It's the provision worry. We need God's provision. Lord, we need you to provide. Lord, we need you to help us in this time of need. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves again stuck in that. Lord, how, how are you going to provide me for me in this situation? I don't know. I have that t-shirt, though. Lord, how are you going to do this? I've worried that as well. God, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? Well, I want to say one of the answers as we look into Scripture is found in the Sermon on the Mount in the Bible. 
How many remember the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 5. I mean, it's a very popular. Many of us, I mean, from the age of what? Um, first grade, second grade, we've read the Beatitudes. We've, we've read through those scriptures. We've understood that Jesus gathered this group of people. He begins to teach them and wanted them to be acquainted with the way that he was going to do his kingdom. And so he begins to teach. And if you read the book of Matthew 5 through 7, you'll notice this. This is an amazing thing. That when you read it, that when he began to, to preach, to speak, whatever you want to call it, that there was a large crowd, but an even larger crowd had gathered. By the time that he's done with the Sermon on the Mount, there's many people gathered to listen to what he's having to say. And when you, when you, when you look at the scripture, you'll see this. You'll see that he addressed a lot of different things. He, he addressed murder and adultery. He addressed divorce. He addressed oaths. He addressed a love for enemies, which is really beyond people's imagination. We've got to love our enemy. He addressed, addressed this, giving to the needy. He addressed prayer and fasting, exactly what we went through in this past 14, 15 days. And did you know something else that he addressed? Worry. He thought it was so important that he put it in the Sermon on the Mount and he addressed worry. Listen to what he says. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 27. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Now let me stop right there and just give a little context because you have to understand that the day and age that he is, he is sharing in, he is preaching in, that the people, they didn't have a lot of food. They didn't have a lot of clothes. They didn't have all the restaurants, the fast food places, the grocery store. They didn't have all that. So Jesus, getting down on their level, being able to communicate, hey, I know that you're concerned about what you're going to eat. I know that you're concerned about what you're going to wear, but listen to me. Listen, in life, if you want to get through life, if you want to have a great life, listen, I need you to do this. Do not worry. In other words, he said, stop worrying. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I know that you even hear me saying that. You say, man, that's easier said than done. Right? But I know this is that as we get into God's word, as we begin to allow the word of God to sink into our life, maybe that is also a process that we have to walk through. That we have to walk through a process of, you know what, Lord? I know that it looks like in my life that my whole life is covered with fog and worry, but realistically, this is just a cup of water. This is just 8% of my worry in my life right now. And that could be true, yes. So I need you to stop. Now, I want you to do something. You say, what, what, what do you want me to? Well, I want you to do this. I want you to write in your Bible the word stop by do not worry if you have your Bible. I've asked Jesus. He said, this is okay to write in your Bible, all right? Just don't write it on your smartphone. I wouldn't advise that. It's going to stay there. I don't know if you know that. He goes on to say this, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And then he says this, look. Now I want us to look at this. When he says look, he, what he's really saying, I want you to observe something. What does he want us to observe? He wants us to observe at the birds. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father, he feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
And then he says this, who of you by worrying? In other words, he wants you to consider something. He wants you to contemplate. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Why do we worry? We worry because we think that we're going to change something, I think. I don't know. We worry because something we think that by worrying, something is all of a sudden going to change. And again, but, but really what's happening is we're kind of wasting our time. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? So there's a couple of things that we need to do when reading this verse. If we're going to get out of the rocking chair, we need to stop doing that. We, we do this. We doubt God's power in life. We doubt that he can really feed the sparrows. We doubt that he can really provide in such a way for us because we think that we're really not that important. But let me tell you this. If you have food in your refrigerator, if you have clothes on your back, if you have a roof on your head and a place to sleep, you have more than 75 to 80% of the world right now. Let that one sink in just a little bit. You have more than 75% or 80% of the world right now. If you have money in the bank, you have money in your wallet, you have money just kind of jingling in your car and you can go under your car seat and find a dollar change. Listen, the amazing thing is you are among the top 8% of the wealthiest in the world right now. If you woke up this morning with more health and illness, you are more blessed than the hundreds of thousands who will not survive this week. There's this thing on, on, your, on the internet called this, the world meters and it gives you just um, how many people are born today, how many people are dying, how many, how many people are in the world, and, and you, some of you may know this, that we're like seven billion, but when I checked about six o'clock this evening, this is, this is a fact that 120,000 people perished today just by six o'clock if you've ever experienced the danger of battle the loneliness of imprisonment the agony of torture or the pangs of starvation you are ahead of 500 million people in this world if you can attend church meetings without fear harassment or death or arrest you are more blessed than 3.5 billion people in this world in other words, just our very presence here tonight, we are very blessed just to show up here. No one tried to stop you when you got in here today. No one's stopping us from worshiping the Lord. Listen, we live a blessed life. Can I say this again? That when, Because we know this, God is so powerful, he is a provider. We know him as what? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Can you give God a hand just because he provides so much for us each and every day? Sometimes we lose track of the fact that he's blessing us and he's helping us. And all of a sudden what happens is we've got to get back into reality. We have to understand, hey, that's not a real worry. This is what truth is. God is helping us. Here's what we need to do. We doubt that we really matter to God. We think that we're just so insignificant. We're just a small piece of this earth. There's no way that God knows us. Listen, if he can feed the sparrows of today, if, if he can do this, if he knows the flowers of the field and he knows all that, even in, in, in the Bible, he talks about knowing the numbers on our, our, our head, the numbers of hair on our head, or the, he may know how many have fallen out of your head. It doesn't matter. He knows everything. 
And he cares about the most significant thing, the most insignificant thing that you may think in your life. He knows exactly what you're going through. And I thank God for that. Amen? And here, here's, what the, here's what the word says. You are much more valuable than they, meaning the birds and the flowers. The last one is this. It's a lack of vision of worry. It's a lack of vision worry. You, you can't see the future. You can't see what's going on. You can't see. And all of a sudden, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to address some of this. And he says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not, I love these words, much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You see, when we boil it down, here's what I believe. He doesn't want us to worry about the clothes that we're going to wear. He's more interested in the ministry that we're going to do while wearing our clothes. You see the shift? You see the, what, we're, what he's really looking for? You see that the, the perspective, it, it's not a worry thing that we have to give the worry to him. He's not concerned about the food we're going to eat. He's more concerned about what we're going to do with the energy from the food. What are you going to do? Where are you going to share? Who are you going to love? What are you going to do? How are you going to help your neighbor? How are you going to love your neighbor? In other words, someone like he, Jesus was going to say, hey, you've got to take what? Action. And that's what he wants. So here's what happens. When we become all weighed down because of our worry, we have the backpack of worry. We're, it's filled with the rocks of worry. We, we're, we're carrying the 100-pound weight on our ankle tied to this huge weight, and we're dragging through life. And when Jesus presents us with opportunity, there's no room. When he presents us with, hey, I want you to obey in this area. I need you to step out in this area. We say this, I've got too much worry. I'm not ready for what you have for me. And then we kind of kindly walk away. But all of a sudden, he is ready to give us something. But we are, our mind is weighed down with worry. And we're so worried about life. So here's what we do to get out of the rocking chair. Here's, here's, here's going to be the culmination of it all. And you're going to be familiar with this verse, Matthew 6, 33. Here's the action. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be, what? Given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Instead of seeking for a solution for worry, Jesus says, Give me your worry and then seek my kingdom. So you see how the transfer takes place? Lord, here's my worry today. We're all going to worry. God, here's my worry. Because when you call, when you want to do something extraordinary in my life, I don't want to be weighed down by the worry. Lord, I want to be ready for you. Here's my worry, Lord. You know, the French word for a wooden shoe is called sabbat. 
The word sabotage came into being when workers would throw their wooden shoes into the machinery to stop the work. Sabotage means this. It's any attempt to hinder production or spoil a product. You've probably heard that word used. I'm going to sabotage this. Listen, worry is the wooden shoe Satan throws into our lives to hinder the plan of God for our life. And he continues to throw these wooden shoes into our life. Hey, here's some worry. And we begin to look at that worry and we begin to say, you know what, I don't know how to go in. Go on. Because worry has infiltrated every part of my life. And you know what, when we look at the word, there are certain scriptures that I have kind of, I would say this, just attach myself to because when things get so overwhelming, when things are, I get worried, I become the 86% all of a sudden, I have to turn to God's word. I have to begin to say this, you know what, I can feel that worry, I can feel the pressure, and I can feel the weight. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for what? He cares for you. And I don't know about you, but I begin to picture this in mind, my mind. I begin to see in my mind that there is a table laid out, and for some reason it's white because every time you go to church functions, you have a six-foot white table. I don't know. And I can see in my mind's eye all my worries laid out on that table. And when I read this verse, it's almost like this. I'm taking all of those things and I'm just, God is beginning to wipe that off the table. It's like this clean slate before me. And I don't have to look at the worry. I, I can feel the weight lift and I'm so thankful. I wouldn't know how to live life unless I had Jesus Christ as the center of my life. Because the truth is, every one of us in this room, including me, we've carried worry, we will carry worry, but what will we do with the worry when it comes on us? Got to give it to the Lord. Got to give it to the Lord. And let me say this. Sometimes there is worry in our life, and there's a great concern in our life. When we have a concern in our life that is real, we can't neglect that concern. But the difficult part is when the concern is so heavy it becomes into this habitual, incessantly we're thinking about worry that's in our life. Because the truth is, even in this room tonight, there's real concerns. There's real health issues. There's, there's real uh, concerns about how I'm going to pay this bill. So I'm not saying don't ever think about it. I'm, I'm saying this. When it reaches the point in your life where you're excessively worrying you need to give that to the Lord. You need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You need to get out of the rocking chair and give it to him. Amen? Would you stand with me? And as we stand, as you are here tonight, you may say this. You know what? I do not have a relationship with the Lord. I'm one of the warriors in life that you were talking about, but I know this, my first start, your first start needs to be this, that you would accept Jesus to come into your life. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer together. Some people call it the salvation prayer. I like to call it the winner's prayer because you become a winner in and through Jesus. 
And then I'm going to have a second call, and that's going to be for those who are worrying. You're worried about something, and you have to give that to the Lord. You're going to say this tonight. I've got to come and connect my faith with someone down here to say, you know what? I'm going to believe that God's going to help me with the worry in my life. And you may be even to the point where you're excessively worrying about something. And I want to encourage you. Listen, we are all, I want to say this, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are family here tonight. So don't let the embarrassment or like fear of, I don't want people to know I'm worried. Everybody worries. But the greatest step of faith, the greatest promise that you could ever do is just step out of where you're at, come forward and say, Lord, I need you to help me. And we're going to pray. And we're going to connect our faith with yours. And we're going to believe that the Lord's going to touch. Amen. If you don't know the Lord, would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Lord, I come before you tonight. I thank you for your love to me. I'm asking right now that you would come into my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to help me love you. I'm making a decision tonight to love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Randy and his team, they're going to sing. And as they sing, I want you to come. If you've given your life to the Lord, if you say, hey, I've got to give some worry to the Lord tonight, it's okay. Come on down. Don't let anything hinder you from coming. They're going to sing. And would you please come? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul.
heart, church. Lord, I give you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Lord, I live. Live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm away. Have your way in me. But have your Hey, thanks for coming to be a part tonight. Aren't you thankful for the love of God? Listen, he cares about every one of us here tonight. We're going to be officially dismissed, but you know what? If you need prayer, it's not too late. If you need healing in your body, if you just need to come and pray, maybe something other than worry, these altars are open. We want you to know that you can always come and be a part. We're so thankful for you. Let me pray with you tonight. Lord, we are so grateful for your goodness. God, for speaking into our life, for helping us each step of the way to understand your plan and your purpose for our life. Tonight, as we've given you worry, whether at these altars or in our seat, we're so thankful that we can turn that to you as we seek your kingdom, your righteousness. God, we know that you're going to add all these things to us. But Lord, we know this, that we don't have to worry. We can stop worrying. Lord, be with us tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Go in his grace and his peace. We'll see you Sunday morning. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment. I'm away.